Welcome to the Managing the Future of Work podcast from the Harvard Business School. I'm Harvard Business School professor and visiting fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, Joe Fuller. This episode is one of a series of special dispatches on the sweeping effects of COVID-19 on our economy, society, and the future of work. In addition to our regular podcast episodes, we will be bringing you shorter and more frequent interviews with business leaders, policymakers, and leading scholars on the coronavirus. The COVID-19 pandemic has obligated many employers to furlough or lay off large numbers of workers at an unprecedented rate. At the beginning of May, the U.S. and other developed economies had unprecedented levels of joblessness. In order to help alleviate that situation, several chief human resource officers, or CHROs, of leading companies came together. Their idea was to create a marketplace in which employers could help provide opportunities for furloughed or laid-off workers by placing them with other employers, a B2B marketplace. To enable that, Accenture, the global consulting firm, spearheaded the creation of People and Work Connect, an online business-to-business job placement platform. The service, now up and running in 44 countries, has already facilitated multiple transactions between the companies involved. I'm joined today by Accenture's Mary-Kate Morley-Ryan and Nicholas Whittle, who led the effort to launch the People and Work Connect platform. Mary-Kate and Nicholas, welcome to the COVID Dispatch from the Managing the Future of Work podcast. Thank you so much for having us today. Yeah, thank you, Joe. COVID-19 caught a lot of companies flat-footed. Uh, they went from nearly full-bore operations to being flat-footed. You organized this concept of, of People and Work Connect very quickly at Accenture. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got had the vision to do it and, and how it got launched? I'd be happy to. So, Joe, as we've looked across the landscape, we've really seen five main themes emerging from this economic and health crisis. Uh, first, how do companies predict workforce shifts? Second, how do they determine the right skills for their future? Uh, third, how do they connect workers at pace and scale to work? And that's both within their organization and potentially what we're seeing, and I'll dive into a little bit more, across their organization boundaries to other organizations. The fourth thing is, how do we accelerate learning um, to prepare for this future that we're headed toward? And then ultimately, how do we create that shared workforce resilience? And so it was against this backdrop on March 24th that our CHRO, Ellen Shook and Eva Sage Gavin, convened about 36 different uh, CHROs for a dialogue. And it was during that discussion that the conversation quickly turned toward this concept of significant workforce shifts occurring across industry lines. And after the call, four CHROs came together from Accenture, Verizon, Lincoln Financial Group, and ServiceNow with a view that the well-being of our people was really fundamental to protect. And we took a principle of we want to get something out there quickly that is going to provide some value to companies and ultimately to individuals, to families, to the economy. And so we took a couple of design principles of we're going to keep this simple and scalable. Um, it's going to be open to all. It's going to be free of charge. And in 14 short days, uh, we got something out the door. But it was really, uh, we were very specific about what we felt the need was that we could provide a solution for. Unfortunately, 
Accenture and Verizon, Lincoln Financial Group, ServiceNow couldn't create a team, uh, but we could create a technology platform to connect workers to work. And so we, we threw our weight behind that. And the support and response has just been overwhelming. It's been incredible to see how companies have really responded. Mary-Kate, could you just tell me what happens between companies using the platform? What's the nature of the, of the exchange? So sure, Joe, as Nicholas shared, this is a B2B platform um, founded by a group of CHROs. Um, and one comment I want to make about that is they're all females. Um, and maybe in, in some of your work, Joe, you've seen some of the research around um, various leadership styles. And I think, you know, Ellen Shook, our, our CHRO, recently shared that there's a fair amount of research around how women use relationships to accelerate change versus broadcasting and telling people what to do. And that's exactly what happened here. So the platform is really an enabler to remove that friction. And so the magic is really in the human to human connection that is facilitated by the technology. So organizations provide specific details around the available roles that they have or their available work workers. And then they're able to see that information on the platform. So for example, if I'm a large retailer, which we already have some of the largest retailers in the world on the platform, along with upwards of 100,000 roles, and I currently have a surge of needed workers, for instance, in Orlando, which is experiencing some record rates of unemployment due to heavy you know, dependency on tourism and travel, Mm-hmm. I might see several hundred workers from other organizations available on that platform who have been temporarily furloughed. I can use the technology to see what types of workers are available in Orlando, and then I can reach out to the point of contact listed for those available workers who either have clearly related skills or potentially adjacent skills to quickly offer temporary or even long-term um, employment in my organization. And, and how do the economics of this work? Is it is it um, that the the organization that needs the workers is compensating, let's say, the current employer if if the employee is on some kind of um, furlough or or being or or part time compensation? Um, how do the numbers clear? Yeah, great question, Joe. I think we're really leaving that up to the um, employers to sort of work out between themselves. Um, We are not sort of getting in the middle of that right Mm -hmm. now, Um, but there have been some interesting, I think, partnerships. I don't know if, Nicholas, you want to speak to some of the things that we've seen. Yeah, I think what we're what we're seeing is, uh, as Mary Kate said, we're, we're certainly leaving it to the two companies to to determine how best to approach that. Um, the four, four companies did provide some of their best leaders within their companies around the concept and topic of benefits to determine what might be some think, thoughts, a thought process considerations as companies really um, engage in a match to determine how to iron things out. Um, but in order to scale the platform across the globe, we have taken certain decisions to ensure that that the data we're request, we are requesting retains no personally identifiable information. And so we have kept in a very green spot from a legal consideration standpoint. And one of the other legal quagmires could be how prescriptive you start getting and how companies um, iron out the, the arrangement that they want to uh, broker. And so we've really left that to the two companies to determine. 
imagine that can be quite complicated given even uh, large companies certainly are dealing in multiple jurisdictions that have different regulatory and legal requirements for employers and have have introduced different programs for supporting workers who are on furlough. So it must be really quite complicated to, to sort out all the details. Makes sense that, of course, you leave it to the, the two consenting parties to, to work through that. Is the, is the design to get groups of workers deployed? We've heard, of, for example, of, of companies um, shifting their entire call centers from yeah. their if they're ongoing, normal, everyday business use to uh, the use of, for example, government agencies in the United States. Is it is it really about groups of employees or entire teams of employees, or does it go down to the level of the individual? So, Joe, what we focused on, what it is, Mary-Kate touched on it, it is a business-to-business platform. So we're not connecting through this platform, an individual that got furloughed to their next job. We felt that there were technology platforms that already existed out there. Mm -hmm. What we're providing is visibility to senior business and HR leaders into the puts and takes that are occurring within the workforce. And we're also providing um, insight into best practices of how other companies are addressing Mm navigating through this crisis. Mm -hmm. So those are the two fundamental purposes that we believe this platform filled a gap for. Um, But it is not a human capital management system. It's Mm -hmm. not a job board for individuals. And we're not being prescriptive in the recommendations that we might house within the knowledge exchange. We call it our minimally lovable product because (laughs) we felt that we had to start somewhere and scale from there. Um, and so far, as I said, there, there's been a lot of, um, we've had probably 800 companies leaning in uh, to discover more about People Plus Work Connect. We're in the process of onboarding around 400 companies now. And so um, there's certainly a lot of um, interest in ensuring that collectively we can make an impact on um, on people and, you know, as organizations think about their role, how they can connect workers to the future of work for themselves. That's a great little phrase. I'd, I'd certainly look into trademarking that <laughs> copywriting if you can. At least I'll make some good t-shirts. Uh, the, uh, now, it's, it sounds like this has gained a lot of steam in terms of the number of companies involved. Was that just organic or was that through Accenture's um, client service partners? How, how did they get hundreds of companies involved in this amount of time? So it was a mix, Joe. We've had, um, you know, obviously sort of public, you know, information and, and communications that have gone out across a couple of different platforms. But really that core group of people who Nicholas mentioned, those four CHROs, Ellen Shook, Pat Waters, um, Lisa Buckingham, and uh, Christy Pombianchi, really leveraged their networks um, through, you know, various HR groups, policy groups, um, and frankly, personal connections to really do one-on-one reach outs to some of the other CHROs. Um, And then those folks have talked to other people and those folks have talked to other people. Um, And then at the same time, to your point, um, as appropriate, if our clients have reached out to us, we share information. Um, It is not a push approach at all. It's more of a, if our clients have interest, then we provide um, very sort of one-on-one information and and they can decide if it's a, a good fit for what they have right now. Just building on that thought from Mary Kate, 
what I have been struck by is the power of the networks that the, the CHROs that that founded People Plus Work Connect have. Mm-hmm. Um, we we set out to to launch this. We thought that there'd be a level of interest, but their ability to galvanize the CHRO community around their role in responding to the economic and health crisis has been uh, incredibly impressive. And so we often think about People Plus Work Connect as in part a technology platform that has a solution associated with it. But the other important part is this network of connected individuals and CHROs that are really leading the charge and helping their companies figure out how they respond to to the the crisis that's unfolding. Do do those networks extend down to medium-sized companies, people in larger companies, supply chains, or their customers, or is this pretty much big Big name, well-known MNCs with with tens of thousands of employees. No, it it certainly extends down to to medium-sized um, enterprises as well. Uh, we set out with one of our design principles was that we'd launch for companies with a volume of 100 plus roles or 100 plus workers. Um, we've now got critical mass on the data side, and we believe that. There is real valuable insight that can be derived. We have some very large participating companies that both have um, workers that were made available as well as jobs that they're looking to fill. Um, And so we have a number of companies that I would not classify as as large by any means, but they really believe that they have a need um, and they are rolling up their sleeves and participating alongside us. It's interesting that you should should mention companies that both have workers available and workers they need. Can you can you mm-hmm. illustrate either one of you some examples of that? What do people have in surplus or on furlough? What do they need instead? So let me take a quick spin at that. Um, a large retailer um, needs cleaners, uh, especially in light of COVID. They need cleaners for their distribution centers, for their warehouses for their stores, a prolific number more cleaners than what they used to need. The hospitality industry has furloughed a significant number of cleaners as their hotels have uh, closed down. Um, Obviously, those hotels will reemerge and reopen. But in the interim, there is a real synergy between a cleaner who is providing services in a hospitality setting with an individual that's needed in retail today. And those are the kinds of connections and matches that we're seeing. But it's not just on the uh, on a certain type of um, worker uh, perspective. We're seeing the breadth and spectrum of um, workforce types, job types uh, emerging uh, through the engagement we have with various companies that span everything from frontline workers to knowledge workers and everything in between. And so there's quite a lot of um, encouraging signs that the platform has a use case beyond um, a certain industry or a certain type of job. And we're really seeing a lot of applicability across multiple lines. If we go back to the beginning, you had those four CHROs who met and the team around them had some sense of some possibilities here in terms of what could be achieved. What were those purposes and what's unfolded? What's actually been achieved? Have there been any surprises? I think, you know, I'll take this one. You know, 
it really started with how do we keep people in work and what resources and what capabilities do CHROs have and the role that they serve in organizations and, and how can they use that role to serve society? That's really what um, the conversation um, that we held um, and what was coincidentally our periodic convening of CHROs. We actually had had our CEO, Julie Sweet, join that group and talk about the importance from her view as a CEO of the role of CHROs now um, within a company, but also within society. And so that's, I think, really how the conversation started. And then to Nicholas's point on just how impressive and inspiring these women have been around galvanizing and bringing other people to the table. I think to me that, um, you know, is remarkable, um, but not surprising, I guess, in some cases, um, just the power of those networks. I think some of the other things that have been um, frankly beautiful to, to sort of hear about and, and witness and then have some of the conversations with our clients is the interest in talking about more um, things around portability of benefits and portability of credentials. And Joe, you mentioned like that's a very complicated conversation when we think about the legal requirements and we look mm -hmm. at different geographies. But the fact that people are willing to have that conversation and really start to work on that nitty gritty um, sort of components and complex processes to me signifies that we're going to see some more changes right over the coming months and, and you know, say it's months or coming 18 months or so here um, that will last for a long time um, and really serve people uh, well. Two of the companies that cooperated early on the platform were Walmart and Nordstrom obviously two different ends of the spectrum in terms of their retail strategies. Can you share a little bit about how they put this to use? So, Joe, as you, as you mentioned, um, they were both actually very kind in uh, support and joining the other four CHROs in, a, in an open discussion about that. Uh, but if you consider a CHRO has a prolific network today, I think what Walmart has found and what um, Donna Morris shared in, in the discussion was having visibility in one in a, a single stop shop of where the puts and takes are occurring across uh, the spectrum has been incredibly helpful as they've sought to to ramp up their workforce significantly. And on the other side of the um, equation, those companies that are furloughing or laying off, I think see an incredibly important role that they can play in helping in whatever way they can to connect their workers to the future of work. And so I think what we heard from Christine and Nordstrom was this social responsibility to their workforce and their workers and ensuring that they're doing everything they can to, to bring visibility into where the opportunities exist um, within their, the, the geographies that they do business in. And so I think it's been encouraging to see both sides of the spectrum, those that are seeking to hire um, at pace and at scale, and those that are in a situation where they've unfortunately had to furlough workers for a period of time, really coming together to say, how do we solve this challenge collectively? And what role could we jointly play in getting people to work? A lot of the companies you've mentioned, a Verizon, a Nordstrom, a Lincoln Financial, are uh, U.S., based, obviously, Walmart, Accenture, our global companies. 
Walmart. What, what uh, how, is this primarily a, a U.S. or North American phenomenon, or are you getting some global reach with it as well? We're getting a lot of global reach. We, we're live now across 44 different countries. Hmm. Um, we are also in discussions. This is not just a platform for the private sector. We're, we're in a number of conversations with uh, state and local um, public sector entities um, to determine how they might leverage the platform to provide visibility into uh, their needs. Uh, a lot of the public sector is seeking to hire workers, especially as they um, administer their own versions of the stimulus um, packages. And that has required a, a number of additional people to be um, staffed in those agencies. And so we think that there is a lot of value in continuing to uh, pursue and onboard the public sector entities. Um, and we're continuing to do that um, on a daily basis. We have conversations across the globe with various entities, um, but so far in 44 countries and, and growing. I know that you're probably exhausted from all the work of having set this up and that it's only a couple of weeks old in terms of being live and available, but do you think about extending it beyond just additional geographies or employers? Are there other capabilities you've been discussing with your CHRO compatriots or clients? I don't know how quite you think about them, uh, about what more is going to be needed. There have been a lot of asks in that space, Joe. Um, and I think, you know, Nicholas and I and, and many others across Accenture, as well as that core group, um, have fielded a lot of different requests and, and thoughts around various partnerships. And I think we continue to hold to those initial design principles um, and that sort of uh, ethos of minimal lovable product um, and make sure that we're continuing to provide value and not overcommit. Um, or sort of go into spaces where there's other, there's lots of different players and, and there's folks that are already adding value. Mm -hmm. Nicholas, what would you add there? No, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there, Mary-Kate. I think we've kept things simple and scalable. Um, this is an investment from Accenture's perspective, and I will add Verizon, ServiceNow, Lincoln Financial Group have been phenomenal partners that have really had a significant amount of skin in the game as well. Um, and we've made a decision right from the get-go that this is not charged for, it is free, and it will remain free for as long as it's needed. And so from that perspective, we want to make sure that we focus on doing a great job with the need that we see and not um, overextend ourselves. And do you have any sense of how long it will be needed? Are you, are you thinking about this as something that will stay up and running indefinitely or just until uh, the first wave of reopenings is settled and, and maybe it's getting back uh, closer to business as usual? I think we view the, the pendulum has swung out as far as the initial wave of furloughs and lay, layoffs that we've seen, the initial surge of hiring that we've seen in certain companies we are going to see the pendulum swing back as the hiring starts to reignite within those companies that have uh, furloughed workers. And determining, uh, you know, based on how we see the fall play out, whether there's a reemergence of COVID in some form or fashion, we see the value of the platform measured 
in sort of a year to 18 month increment, not in a one to two month increment. We, we think it's going to have a value, uh, valuable place to play for a good year or 18 months. I'm interested that Accenture has approached this as a uh, a contribution as opposed to a service, because it sounds like it's actually a quite valuable business service. Yeah, Joe, I think, you know, as, as Nicholas shared, we we really started out with the intent of, of not really monetizing this platform, and it's free. Uh, People plus Work Connect is really about facilitating and navigating uncertainty together. Well, Mary-Kate Morley-Ryan and Nicholas Riddle of, of Accenture, thanks so much for joining us on this COVID-19 dispatch from the Managing the Future of Work podcast with this fascinating story of the creation of People and Work Connect. Thank you, John. Thanks, Joe. Great to be with you today. Thank you for listening to this special episode of the Managing the Future of Work podcast. To find out more about our project on the future of work and for more information on the coronavirus's impact, visit our website at hbs.edu forward slash managing the future of work and sign up for our newsletter. 